Welcome to the Christ Academy podcast with Jeff Wong, where you'll receive inspiring ideas and stories as we explore the journey of faith in Christ. Okay, here we go. We're in Acts 3 this week. I've entitled today's message, The Power of a Changed Life. I hope you're enjoying going through Acts. We've been through chapter 1 and chapter 2. And then in the life groups this week, we all went through chapter 3. And it was a powerful time of hearing God through His Word and through each other. And then we get to tie it up each week with MT12 Talk. All right, so we're going to spend some time reflecting on this passage. What we're going to do today is that we're going to listen and read through some of the verses. We're not going to go through the whole chapter, but we're going to focus on the first part of the chapter. And then after that, I want to draw two reflections that I think... We're not talking about in our life groups, but are very, very relevant. And so we're just going to get a fuller and fuller picture of what God's speaking to us about. After that, we'll have some, uh, we'll have some announcements, and then we'll have the giving. And we have got quite a few announcements, all kinds of new things that are being released, and they're exciting. We'll talk about those in a moment. All right, here we go. Okay, Acts three verses one to eleven. This is where we're going to spend our time today. Okay, read along with me. One day at three o'clock in the afternoon, a customary time for daily prayer, Peter and John walked to the temple. One second here. Some people were carrying in a man who had been paralyzed since birth. Every day they brought him to a place near the beautiful gate, one of the temple entrances, so he could beg for money from people entering to worship. He saw Peter and John coming up, coming up, or sorry, coming, and asked them for a contribution. Peter gazed intensely at him. So did John. We'll go to the next page. Continuing in verse uh, 5. Peter said, Look at us. The men looked up at them, assuming they were about to give him some money. Peter said, I want to give you something, but I don't have any silver or gold. Here's what I can offer you. Stand up and walk in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the Anointed One. Verse 7. Then Peter took the man's right hand and lifted him to his feet. Instantly the man's feet and ankles were strong. He jumped and walked accompanying Peter and John into the temple where he, where he walked, jumped for joy, and shouted praises to God. A crowd ran to the commotion, and they gathered around the man in an open area called Solomon's Porch. There he was standing on his own two feet, holding on to Peter and John. They knew exactly who he was, the beggar they passed at the beautiful gate every day. Everyone was absolutely amazed at this wonderful miracle, they were speechless and stunned. Yes, amen. This is the gospel, the word of God. Let's go back to the beginning. Let me just summarize a little bit of what, what happened here. So back to verse 1. 
So we just finished chapter one and chapter two. Chapter one, the disciples, like the fuller group of disciples, about 120 of them were waiting in Jerusalem rather than returning to rather than returning to Galilee, where they were from. They followed Jesus' instructions to wait there. Just wait, wait in Jerusalem. They waited. They waited in that upper room. And it was a powerful, powerful moment when the Holy Spirit was just unleashed, the Holy Spirit of God onto them. And fire was released, like tongues of fire on, on pe- people's heads. And, and then they started speaking in other languages. And because this was during um, Pentecost, the feast when, when people would come from, from different places and uh, d- different regions, and they would come to Jerusalem to observe this feast, people started to, uh, to recognize that these disciples, they started breaking out into different people's languages, even though they hadn't learned these languages. And the words that were coming out of their mouths, even though they, did, they, they likely didn't even know what they're saying, was things proclaiming the magnificence of God. How powerful is that? And then people are wondering, are these people drunk? Are they crazy? What's going on? What's going on right here? And then Simon Peter, the fisherman, he stands up and he gives this magnificent speech. A fisherman. This guy who didn't necessarily even want to follow Jesus you know, prior to that. And it was a powerful, powerful moment. So, here we come to chapter 3. And this, and Peter and John, Simon Peter and John, they're going at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, their time. That's a, there was a customary time for them to pray, for people to pray. They would go to the temple. They'd walk to the temple to pray. And then some people who are carrying a paralyzed man, they do this every day, would bring them, bring the man to the gate called Beautiful, one of the entrances of the temple. There were several entrances. There that man, because he couldn't do, uh, he, he couldn't do most types of work, he would just beg. He would beg for, for money and, and, and hope for the mercy of people. And then Peter, well, Peter told the guy to lick up to him. And um, and then what happened? The guy thought that Peter was going to give him some money. Peter didn't have any money on him. And so what happened? Peter told him, I want to give you something, but I don't have any silver or gold. Here's what I can offer you. And he said, stand up and walk in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the anointed one. How powerful, how powerful, how gutsy. How courageous to say something like that. We see here a, a person who is so full of fear that became fearless. And it's just a, an amazing, amazing moment. And I love this. I love this moment. And I can't wait for you guys to see the Bible backgrounds that are going to be coming out that, um, that describe this. And it was, it's so well done. And then in verse 7, it continues to go on. It says, then Peter took the man's right hand. He lifted him up to his feet. I mean, what kind of faith do you have to actually lift up? I mean, it's, it's one thing to pray for someone, 
but you must have a different level of confidence if you pull that person up to get them up off their feet. And this confidence isn't a confidence just in himself, not at all. It's in the name of Jesus. Because if we look at one verse back, he says this. He says, stand up and walk in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the anointed one. That is powerful. That is powerful. Then he pulls them up. Instantly, the man's feet and ankles grew strong. He jumped and he walked, accompanying Peter and John into the temple where he walked and jumped for joy. Can you imagine that? He typically would just stay at the gate of the temple and just beg for money. But here he's getting up and he's jumping. He's super excited. He's jumping. He's jumping and he's going with them into the temple, walking, jumping for joy. And shouting praises to God to just, he doesn't care how he looks. He doesn't care what people think. He's just shouting out praises to God because of the joy that he has within him, because of what God just did in his life. The gratitude. A crowd starts to gather around him. And it's this powerful moment. They gather around this man in the open area called Solomon's Porch. There he was standing on his two feet. He's holding on to Peter and John. Maybe maybe he's holding on to them because he's celebrating. Maybe he's holding on to them because he can't even believe. Is, is this a dream? I'm walking. I'm jumping. Um, they knew exactly who he was. The people knew exactly. It was the beggar that they passed every time. I don't know if you've ever walked on your way to work from, from, from the public transit station or bus stop to your final destination or from your parking spot to your work and you see someone regularly that, that's begging for money or if you're driving past a certain intersection you're used to seeing someone there and maybe maybe they're disabled or something like that. But this is, a, this is what the case was for these people who'd go to the temple every day to worship. They'd see the same guy there begging for money and then and he can't walk and all of a sudden he's walking and jumping and acting hysterical because of the joy that he has. Everyone was absolutely amazed at this wonder, wonderful miracle. They were speechless and stunned. I'd be stunned. I'd be stunned. And I'd go into this contagious worship with him. And so today I want, to, I want to talk to you about two things. Two points today, two reflections. One, as you can see on the screen right here, is worship. As we... Uh, most of us, those of us that participate in life groups, uh, most of us probably would have glanced over verse 1. But I want to take us for a moment and, and really reflect and dig deep and chew on and dissect verse 1 because there's things here for us, I think, to learn, especially in this season of the life of our church community and specifically in our own personal lives as well. And so the first thing I want to talk about is worship. And just reading verse 1 again, it says, One day, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, a customary time for daily prayer, Peter and John walked to the temple. As you read that, you might not think anything of it. You might not think, is there any kind of significance for us? But as I was reflecting on this and thinking about it in, the, in light of our community, I thought, like, how significant is it that they have a set time during the day 
three o'clock, when they would come, or they would go to the temple to worship. First of all, there was a time. Second of all, there was a place. They would obviously keep this specific time holy, meaning you might wonder what does the word holy mean. Hopefully, hopefully you know what it means if you've been journeying with us for a while, because holy doesn't just mean something that's sinless. It specifically means something that's set apart. It's set apart for something special. In this case, something divine, something of God. When you take a time and you set it as holy, then you don't replace it. You don't replace it with a birthday party. You don't place it. You don't replace it with work. You don't replace it with a family dinner because it's holy and God is our number one. I fear that today we've lost the sense of holiness. We've taken everything that's sacred, everything that's holy, and we made it the same as everything else. We've suppressed. Instead of elevating it, we've suppressed it so that it becomes the same as everything else. It's the same as going to the gym. It's the same as going to, to watch something. It's the same as going to play a sport. We've made it the same as working out. We've made it the same as visiting friends. We've made it the same as going to an event. And because of that, we've lost this sense of holiness. But what we see here is that, that Simon Peter and John and others who were in that community they had three o'clock in the day as a time which was holy. It was holy. It was set apart for the divine. Set apart when they'd go to the temple where heaven would meet earth. I just went heaven meet earth, but it's really heaven meet earth. Earth meet heaven. This connection would take place between human beings and the God that created them. And so when we set something apart as holy, that's a time to engage with God. And so you see these people, they come up, and if you put yourself in the, in, the, in the place of Jewish people at that time, they'd be walking their way to the temple, making their way to the temple by walking. There was no cars to drive at that time. They'd be walking, and what they would do is they'd walk up the temple mount, like a small mountain, because the temple was up there. And as you're walking up, there's a sense of you're going to something that is higher, Something that is not just physically higher, but that is spiritually higher, that is something of God. You're going to the temple to meet God. And at that time, the temple was the place where, where God was found on earth, where, and, and everything was centered around the temple. Well, today, God's temple is within us. It's us as a community. And so it's so important for us to meet with the community, to be amongst the temple, to be within the temple, to worship God. But when we go, let us not think of something that's low. Let us remember that we're going to something that is high. We're proceeding, we're walking, we should in our hearts, in our spirits, and our souls, be walking up to something that is higher when we're coming to worship God. That we set it apart as holy, that it is not something that you interrupt with everyday life. It's not the same as going to a birthday party. It's not the same as going to a restaurant with your friends. It's not the same as going for a coffee, as going for a beer. No. Worship is going to meet with the God of the universe. The the curtain in the temple was torn, not for any, not for a lack of any reason, is because the separation between God and man is gone because of what Jesus did and this, the payment that was made for our sins, what we just celebrated in the communion. We have this, we have 
this access to God that human beings never had before. And so let us not take that for granted. Let us approach worship with a holiness, with a reverence. Let's set it apart. If you can set it apart when we're experiencing this live, that's all the better. If you can't and you have it set apart on demand at a certain time of the day, don't let anything interrupt it because it's your time to worship the God of the universe. It's your time to to proceed to the temple. It's your time to experience something that's elevated. It's your time to engage with the God of the universe. It's so important. Set a time. Also set a place. In our community, our worship happens digitally. So it could be that you're experiencing God in worship at your desk. It could be your bedroom. It could be it could be while you're walking. It doesn't really it doesn't necessarily matter that much. But what does matter is that it's a devoted time. Don't make it something where you're multitasking. Please, please, please do not worship God while you're multitasking. If you wouldn't multitask if you're on a date, don't multitask when you're on a date with God. Set that time aside. That is holy time. That's not time to like, God, I worship you and I'm checking my social media. God, I worship you and I'm checking my email. God, I worship you and I'm looking at my calendar at the same time. No. Focus. Focus. Give God your undivided attention because he is worthy of your undivided attention. This is the God of the universe. This is the one who created you. This is the one who gives you breath. This is the one who keeps you sane. This is the one who's redeemed you and has given you life. This is the God that loves you. Keep that time as holy before God. Set a time and day and set a place and keep it as holy as you possibly can. That is your time of worship and engage with the temple. That's worship. Second, there's a power. There's a power that we witness in this chapter. We witness power in chapter two as well. I mean, Chapter 1, when the Holy Spirit came, that was the Holy Spirit coming to power. But in chapter 2 and in chapter 3, we see the power of a changed life. If you journey along with us, and if you watch The Chosen, you would have saw Simon Peter in The Chosen. Man, he wasn't... If, 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 if that's what happened with his life, he wasn't that interested in the Messiah, although he'd pray for, he prayed for Messiah to come all his life. He was concerned with his debt. He was concerned with, with his, his wife being taken, uh, being looked after. He was concerned with his business and possibly losing his business. He was concerned with the everyday stuff. But God pursued him. God in Jesus pursued him and took him on as a student. And as Peter's life began to change more and more, we, we see, at least to this point, the, the culmination of experiencing so much with Jesus. And so we start to see the power of a changed life. What happens when, when, when the God of the universe 
the one who, who everything was created through, as we, we experienced in John chapter 1, what happens when that person is so involved in your life and your, so, your mind is so, is so drawn into him? What happens when you start to follow him? You start to see powerful things happen in your life. You start to see change. I've seen it in some of you guys in a differing amount. Some of you guys like a baby amount. Some of you guys like a tremendous amount in a short time. I've seen it in my own life because if you knew me from the past, you wouldn't understand, like, why are you the way that you are right now? It's crazy. But we see that in Simon Peter, the guy who was a fisherman, as I said, but he stands up here without fear. He stands up with courage. And he is, he's probably not even wrestling with these things. He stands up and he wants to heal this person in Jesus' name. So Peter says, I want to give you something, but I don't have any silver or gold. That's like pulling up to the intersection in your car. Someone's begging for money. You have your, your, you have your win, window open and your, and your elbow through your window and you're talking to the guy and you say, Hey, hey, I don't have I don't have any coins. I don't have any loonies, toonies. A loonie or toonie is like a one or two dollar coin in Canada. I don't have like a five dollar bill, but here's what I can offer you. Stand up and walk in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the anointed one. If you can imagine that, that's like you getting out of your car while it's still a red light, and you take the guy who can't walk it, who's in the intersection. Maybe his friend brought him there or something like that. Or maybe he's just injured. I don't know. But you get up and you start lifting him up and say, get up in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the anointed one. And I want you to pay attention to something. He says, in the name of Jesus. There's not, like, what does that mean and why did he do that? And what's the significance of that for us today? I want you to know that there's, there's something powerful, incredibly powerful about the name of Jesus. There's power in, in a changed life, but there's something powerful, even more powerful in the name of Jesus that changes that life. You know, we were just singing that song, um, that, that worship set that Dom curated. And in the chorus, I don't think Dominic chose it for this reason, but directly syncs and works with today's message because the Holy Spirit, I believe, is leading Dominic as he selects worship for us. And the lyrics, did anyone pick that up? I think it was the last song, if I'm not mistaken. Anyone pick up the chorus? If you know what was in the words of the chorus, type it out for me. What was in the lyrics of the chorus? It's directly, directly related to what we're talking about right now. And it's powerful. It says, and that's the power of your name. The song's called, the, uh, That's the Power, from Hillsong. It says, and that's the power of your name. Just a mention makes a way. Giants fall, thinking of Goliath. And strongholds break. And there is healing. That's the power that I claim. That's the power that I claim. That's the power that, that Peter claimed. Man, it had been awesome to be John right beside him and seeing what happened and just like having the high and the adrenaline going. Uh, if you're an adrenaline junkie, like being beside your friend who's also a follower of Jesus and then he has, he has the cojones to go and say something like that and then to pull the guy up to walk. But he says in the power of Jesus' name, 
The chorus goes on to say, it's the same that rolled the grave. That same power rolled rolled the grave. It rolled the tombstone off the grave because in those days, the, at least in the case of Jesus, Jesus was buried inside a cave and there was a stone, a round stone, that sealed the doorway, the entrance to the cave. And so that power rose Jesus from the dead and rolled away that stone from the grave. But that same power is the power that is involved in our lives. It's the same power that we have access to. And so I believe that God is teaching us about his power. He's teaching us about his He's teaching us about his grace. He's teaching us about his love, but he's teaching us about his power, that there's a power in a changed life that has that kind of faith to ask for things, that would dare ask for things that bold. God is trying to increase our faith. We've had conversations about that. Powerful things happen in changed lives when we exercise our faith. The scripture says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. It doesn't say that it's hard to please God without faith. It says it's impossible to please God without faith. And in Mark, in the book of Mark, you see Jesus back at his hometown. And the same Jesus that we see performing all kinds of miracles, he couldn't perform miracles there except for a few healings because the whole place had a lack of faith. Because people were so familiar with him, him being a young boy growing up in Nazareth, Jesus' hometown. Let us not get so familiar with what we're used to, that we're not open, that we're not believing, that we're not stretching our faith so that we can fully embrace, understand, and even call for what God wants to do through us through the powerful name of Jesus. And it's not that just Jesus' name is something that's magical. Not at all. In those days, someone's name couldn't be disassociated with them. Your name meant you. And so, if someone if someone said, hey, you can use, this is Jeff's house. You could use Jeff's house. So just say Jeff's car. You can use Jeff's car. Jeff said so. That means that there's an authority in my name and a permission that comes about. And it's the same thing with Jesus because in in the Great Commission, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. He's saying that, all, that if, you are a, if you are a follower of Jesus, a student of Jesus, and you're doing the work of Jesus, you can do everything in Jesus' name. You can ask for things in Jesus' name. That's why when we pray, we say, in Jesus' name. It's not in my name. It's not in the name of the Bible. It's not in the name of Peter, James, John, or Paul. It's in Jesus' name, meaning Jesus' authority. That we're, it's in Jesus' authority that we're asking these things. There's a power in that if you know what that is. And if you start to live like that, then your life starts to change. The way you, first of all, the way that you think starts to change. And that's so amazing. The way that you think starts to change, and then your actions start to change. The way you, the way you conceptualize the world, the way that you see things, the way that you process things, the way that you understand things. But then because of that, you're oriented towards a certain direction. And then 
how you live, how you walk, the, the decisions that you make, the things that you say yes to, and the things that you say no to, all of these things start to change because of Jesus in your life, because of the power of Jesus' name. There's something so incredibly powerful about that. And so you see this kind of power with each of the disciples, and in this case, especially Simon Peter, but also John. I mean, John wrote the Gospel of John. He, he made records, and then he wrote it out. And millions upon millions of people from that point to this day have benefited from the power of God in John's life. That's so amazing. That's so amazing. I'm looking at the chats right now. And Dominion said, and that's the power of your name. Just a mention makes a way. Giants fall and strongholds break. And there's healing. Guys, remember these lyrics. That strongholds break. Like a, when the devil has a stronghold of, over a part of your life. Exercise the power of Jesus' name over that part of your life. And then what happens? It's like this giant egg. And it smashes on the table because strongholds break in Jesus' name. That's the power of a changed life. That's the power of Jesus' name over a changed life. I love it. The mighty name of Jesus. Yvonne and Remy in the chat say, you have a good point. If I will set up every day prayer at, for example, 4 o'clock, Maybe the connection with, with God will, will be greater and will bring us more miracles, more healing, more grace. I set an alarm for it as a reminder. I love that. You take what you hear when God is speaking. And I'm not saying that I'm God. I'm saying God is speaking right now because God sometimes speaks through us. But when God is in the moment, take him seriously. Do something with it. Set an alarm. Write a note. Do something with it covenant to yourself and to God that you're going to do that. Lord I respond I hear you I'm going to do this because of it write up on a post-it note put that post-it note on the mirror put it on your steering wheel in your car do something with the word of God I love that follow Ivana or Remy's example set an alarm for a certain time of the day where you will pray set that part that time as holy if someone asks you why do you have an alarm it's because this is a holy moment what what they ask what what is this is a holy moment this is my time to pray this is where i ascend up and i have a meeting with the god of the universe and i tell him what i need and i tell him what i'm grateful for and i see great things happen this is where i heaven this is where i connect with god this is where earth connects with heaven tell him that try that see what they say the the they probably have a blank look on their face. They won't even know what's going on. Then ask them, when I pray, what can I pray for you? What can I bring to God for you? Kim said, that's a great idea. A reminder to just stop in the midst of the craziness of daily life. Yeah, put, guys, in the busyness and the craziness of daily life, as Kim talked about in the chat, you can press pause. Press pause. Press pause and have a holy moment. Have a holy moment with God. Let earth and heaven meet together at that point. 
Let there be a connection. And then exercise the power of Jesus' name as you are exercising the power of a changed life. Yes, that is such a powerful, powerful thing. And so, guys, as we close right now, I want to encourage you guys. For a lot of your life, you probably have sat, sat in pews or chairs within a church. You've probably listened to a sermon. If it was a decent, it stimulated your mind. If it was even better, it moved your heart. But let it move your hands. Let it move you to, to do something. And actually, it's not that the message would move you. It's that you have to move you. You have to make a decision to do something about it. And so what I pray for all of us as a community is that we'd be diligent to apply the Word of God, that we'd be diligent, planful, strategic, responsible. I love it when I see people who are, they take the Word of God like it's, it, this, it's not just food. It's like God gave me a nugget of gold. Like God gave me like a snowball size of gold when he gave me his word. I got to value it and I got to, I got to cherish it, but I got to do something with it because I understood it in my mind. It moved my heart, but now it has to move my hands. Let's do something with that. Let's be a people who do this every, every week. Do it midweek. Do it on the weekend. Live out the word of God. And in doing so, you will become a doer of the word. Jesus' brother James wrote in the book of James over and over and over again throughout the whole book in different ways that we are to be hearers, not just hearers of the word, like in, in that we listen to it or that we read it, but that we're to be doers of the word. That means we use our hands. We go and do something with it. And actually, when you guys do your soaps, the application aspect of soaps, when you use that tool, application, it's meant to be something that applies to you. Sometimes it's it's an encouragement to you, maybe, or it's it's an epiphany. It you you have a revelation of some sort. But for the most part, it's meant for you to God shows you something and that you're supposed to do, and then you go and do it. It's like He shows you you're supposed to forgive. You go out and forgive. That's the also the power of a changed life. He shows you that you need to trust Him. And so you in this situation where you normally would not trust Him, you go and you trust Him. That's the power of a changed life. So we got to do that. We've got to be doers of the Word, not just hearers of the Word. And so to summarize, man, we got to set, we got to have, we got to take back holiness, guys. The devil has taken it away from us. The world has taken it away from us. But we got to grab a hold of it and take it back. We need times and places that are holy that are sacred especially in this day and age especially us as a church so let's do that to have a time and a place that's holy let's take back holiness in a time and place of worship but let's also let God's power affect our lives let's take him up in faith and let's take him out take out the gospel and let's go have an effect on this world like we've never seen before. Let's do that. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for speaking today. Thank you for the power of a changed life.
Thank you for your power in our lives, God. Thank you that we can have times that are holy, that are set apart for worship. Thank you for hearing us. Thank you for allowing us to hear you as well. Thank you for our community. Thank you for your word. Thank you for all kinds of new things that are happening. All kinds of things to be excited for that we'll talk about in the announcements. Thank you, Lord. Your word is holy, speaking of holy. And we are your people. We are a holy people, a holy nation. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.